Ladies and gentlemen, it's time! The Ultimate Fighter Season 31 Reaction Show, brought to you by Carshield. Hosted by Michael Adler. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard the man, Bruce Buffer. This is episode three of the Tough 31 Reaction Show, hosted by yours truly, Michael Chandler, and brought to you by our friends at Car Shield. Thank you all so much for joining us all around the world in on the audio version or right here on the video version on YouTube. Speaking of y'all joining us, congratulations to Billy Heidelberg last week, who was our giveaway winner. The giveaway is a signed copy of my favorite book, As a Man Thinketh, with a bookmark of a signed Panini card signed by yours truly as a bookmark stuck right in the book and shipped out directly to you. This week's winner, Connor, hit me with it. We got Christopher Rice. Christopher Rice, congratulations. You are the winner from episode two. So next week we will, we will announce the winner from this episode. So Make sure you check the link in the description of this YouTube video or the link in the description on our audio version, or it's in my Instagram bio as well. Now let's get right into episode three. But before we do, I am joined by a phenomenal, very special guest, a very good friend of mine. I am a fan of his music. He is a Nashville native. He is writer and country music star, Ernest. What's up? How are we, man? I'm good, dude. Good, man. Having you in here. We just watched the episode together. Yes. Um, talked about a little bit of the parallels of the the come up from country music. Yeah. Uh, what it would be like if you had to be stuck in a house full of 15 other dudes farting all over the place. <laughs> God. <laughs> God. It could be worse. It could be worse, you know, and, and, and the parallels between, you know, was, you know, we talked about, we'll, we'll get into it later, but Austin Hubbard, maybe Justin Gaethje making a phone call to get him on the show or how these guys got recognized. It's a small community. Definitely. You know, similar to country music. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there are so many people just in this area code that, that <laughs> want Tennessee. Yeah. That, that want to be where I'm at or, you know, there's, you talk about the circle or whatever, the bubble you got to get into and it's true, mm -hmm. but like, it is, it's a dogfight because there's really no middle class of this lifestyle. It's that like makes sense, yeah. you're, you're hungry and you're grinding and you're writing 200 songs a year and maybe a couple of them get heard. Maybe one of them gets cut. Maybe that cut goes on to be a single, which is where money starts getting made. And maybe that single goes number one. Wow. So like, yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of people fighting for it, and it is the the parallel. Uh, obviously, we're not in there getting our shit kicked in, <laughs> yeah. but you know, the, the late nights at Red Door can turn yeah. into that. But um, but it is wild because these people have you know families that are sacrificing their mm. time away, and we're betting our life that this is what we're going to be able to do for our career and mm -hmm. feed our families and feed ourselves. So it is nuts. There's a lot on the line. Yeah. Well, in the age old question of how long do you hang on to, you know, and we, we talked about this too in, in your, your industry. I mean, people, the amount of people who move here with the, the stars in the, their eyes thinking, Hey, I'm gonna move to move to Nashville. I'm going to, I'm going to meet the right people. I'm going to get in the right writing rooms. I'm going to do the right writers rounds. I'm going to be yeah. busting tables at losers or whatever, and, and end up meeting the right person. Or maybe I get one of those songs. Maybe I get in the right room. Veterans yeah. versus prospects. My, all of my guys have been at the highest level, have, have 
fought with Dana White sitting there watching him fight, watching them be in the UFC, and then losing a fight, maybe losing a couple fights. Uh, you know, we'll get into Austin Hubbard. His his record in the UFC was three and four. I remember watching him, mm-hmm. but there was a point there where he lost his last fight, and he got that email sent to his manager. Manager sends it to him. Hey, you're not good enough. God. You know, whatever whatever that that letter says, the overarching theme was, hey, you're not good enough to be here. You're cut. Yeah. Better luck next time. Hope maybe we'll see you down the line. And for these veterans, this is pretty much their last shot. Yeah. You know, and for the prospects, they're still on the come up. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. I mean, it is. It's similar. It'd be like losing your record deal. Mm-hmm. It'd be like, which, yeah, where do you go? Where do I go from here? Yeah. You know, and you feel like, you know, everything you work for gets taken away out, out from under your feet. But the comeback story is always important. Yeah. Well, and uh, the chance to come back too. Yeah. Well, and, and we talk about reputation, you know, obviously yeah. uh, mixed martial arts, it's a, it's a world renowned sport now because of what the UFC has done. Obviously music is heard on every corner of right. the globe, but country music, especially here in this town or in other, other towns, but it's a small community. People know know most people yeah. in it, right? And it's that reputation that might have gotten you on to the show or might have gotten you into the the writing rounds or might got you into in yeah, front of know. the right people. Yeah, who you know is true. And then and then another example, you know, who you know can only get you in the room. Yeah. And then and then it's on you. Like who you know can get you in the cage. Yeah. You still gotta go fight. Yep. Nobody's gonna go fight for you. Dude, that's a perfect example. Yeah. And and that getting the opportunity to get into the ring, so to speak. Uh, it's all I ever dreamed for because I trust myself. I know, I know what I'm capable of. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been blessed with God given talent to flow out words and melodies. Mm-hmm. I've and, heard, I've heard you freestyle. Yeah. Alabaster. Alabaster. <laughs> Alabaster. We were on the golf course one day and, and your manager, right? So yes, yeah. your manager was like, Hey, give him a word. And I said, I try to think of the hardest word I could think of. And it came up with Alabaster. Alabaster. And you hit me with like a two, a two minute freestyle. Went off rap. on Alabaster. Alabaster in the middle of Troubadour <laughs> golf course. Uh, yes. But, but yeah, the God given talent will, or, or getting you, you get to the room, but then you got to get in the cage or in right. the, in the actual fight of it, you know? And right. that's what these guys are doing. These prospects are trying to get to get into that cage when they're on the show now, yeah. now, whatever they, now they, it's their opportunity to go out there and get their hand raised, you know? And yeah. obviously this fight was Aaron McKenzie, um, who was on Connor's team. Yeah. And I, w- I was explaining to you while we were fighting, cause you know, for those who maybe missed episode one or two or our pre-show, we show up to Vegas and they give us a list of 30 something guys. And you got to remember, there's only 16 guys on the, fu- on the actual fight show. So they whittled it down to those 16, but we had to do research on all 30, 30 guys or so that they gave us. And I remember Aaron McKenzie being one of those guys. He was an LFA champion, um, which was essentially the highest organization you can kind of fight before you go to one of the big organizations, the yeah. UFC or Bellator or one of these other organizations. So I knew he was a very tough dude. And when I saw that he and Austin Hubbard, my guy, uh, were matched up, not that I was nervous whatsoever, because I think Austin was better than him, but ultimately it's a tough fight for anybody. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's scrappy. Very scrappy. And very you can scrappy. see it too. And we'll, and we'll go over the fight, uh, later we'll break it down and check it out. Um, but just Aaron, obviously Connor. When when they when they pulled Connor in and they and he was talking about Aaron, he was talk. He wasn't only talking about his skills. He's he's strong. He's fast. He's he's got a nice unorthodox style. He kind of switches stances. He's tough as nails. But he was very calm. Yeah, you know, and you can hear it in his interviews too. Um, his home videos talking about his wife, his his uh, 
chihuahua. Yeah, his, his dogs uh, and his, cats. Or no, his pug. He's got his pug and then a pug chihuahua. Pug chihuahua and two cats. And two cats, you know. Yeah. Um, and I always, you know, we, we talked about this as well. I always talk to making, trying to put things into perspective for the viewers at home and even you is that last video when they kind of kiss each other goodbye at the airport. They were not going to hear from each other for probably, I think it was probably seven weeks at that point. Crazy. Remember I told you they- you do a week prior or something like that? At least, yeah. I told you they, they put these guys, sequestered them into a hotel. And it wasn't like the Cosmopolitan or the the Red Rock in Vegas, one of the nice was, places. Oh, no, a, I'm locked in a Vegas hotel. <laughs> yeah, what am I going to do? Exactly. No, it's like Holiday Inn. Yeah, it was yeah. like a Holiday Inn <laughs> off the strip. You know, not not to make it sound like the you know the UFC was like cheap trying to save yeah, money. Yeah, yeah. It just needed to be a normal chain hotel right? off the strip, away, and essentially, hey- I think they were able to use their cell phones for a little while until it got down to the last little bit where they had basically took their cell phones away. So essentially, I don't even know if they wanted, I don't even know if they were allowed to tell, they essentially wanted to take their cell phones away at the, at the point at which they made the show to where they might not even been able to tell their significant other that they actually made the show, (laughs) you know? Wow. You never know. I mean, it's these stories and you get bits and pieces, obviously, because I didn't, I, I was there with the guys, but I didn't live what they did. Yeah. Um, and it was just such a, cause these guys have to, the guys that can, the executive producers, the UFC Pilgrim was the production company. They had to protect their, their product at all cost. Right. You know, sure. Putting these guys in a hotel room, and I remember seeing and making eye contact with, cause I, w- I was trying not to meet the guys before. Um, cause I didn't want to have them get in trouble or whatever, but yeah. I saw numerous guys there that didn't make the show, you know? So there was 30 guys on a list and then only 20 ended up coming to Vegas or 25. And then there was a probably 10 that didn't even actually get selected. So, so what a roller coaster of emotions oh. just to even get that far and then not to be able to go fight. Well, especially with such a huge opportunity. I, I mean, I guess I would liken it to, Hey, there's this record deal that someone's going to get and there's you and 10 other dudes in a room or whatever. And all of a sudden you're one of the guys who doesn't, and those guys move, you know, yeah. kind of one of those. Cause even if you're on the show, you don't win the show. It's still a huge prize. It's like getting a ESPN. chance to win American Idol, but not getting the chance to go sing. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. You're like, you, you go, but uh, those guys go and then you don't. You're like, oh, well, this yeah, sucks. God. And they just spent a week in a hotel room. Um, so it was just what these guys had gone through. And, and similar to last week when I was talking about Cody Gibson, um, who I obviously I was wrong with my I wasn't wrong with how I felt. All the signs were there. He was he was sucking wind. He was, his voice was hoarse. He was having a really bad weight cut. He was saying things that didn't, didn't indicate a very confident man. Um, and he went out there and obviously finished Mondo in the, in the first round by flying knee, probably mm. the, you know, well, so far, obviously Roosevelt nine second knockout, but the flying knee was beautiful. Yeah. yeah um, yeah. And there was a really cool moment there where we talked about adoption because um, Cody was Cody was adopted. We talked about my two boys, um, and you told me before uh, before the show as well that you were adopted as well, right? Yeah, I was adopted in Nashville, three weeks old, three weeks old, man. and that's just you know without going all the way down that road, it's another example that's that in my life of like I'm supposed to be here, You're supposed to be here, dude. Um, and all of the factors that could have been different, you know, one household different in the, in that selection process, Mm -hmm. my life wouldn't be what it is right now. Wouldn't have grown up right down the road, you know, going to Lipscomb and meet the people I met or Mm -hmm. maybe I wouldn't have gone to a Christian school 
and then not liked going to a Christian college and dropped out. Of, you know, like a yeah. dropping out is what led me to yeah. the life I'm in now. But it's, Yeah, well, it's crazy, man. I just, the the little things leading up to the big opportunities, the big, the, the life. Someday when the mas- masterpiece of your life is written, all these different little catalysts that led to the next thing, you know, similar to this show, how these guys ended up being on the show, how these guys right. ended up, all their stories. And that's why I love the ultimate fighter as well. And I think that's why the fans love it so much too, is we're not just, obviously there's a cool fight at the end and these guys actually go out there and they're bleeding and they're knocking each other out and stuff. But going into Aaron McKenzie's story, mm-hmm. talking about, you know, his wife and the, um, four animals that they have going into Austin Hubbard's life, his ups and downs with his career, being in the UFC, having a pretty decent UFC career enough to where I knew who he was going into the show. Remember watching him fight yeah. um, and working a job with his family. In yeah. The meantime. His, uh, I think he said it was his father-in-law. Father-in-law was a restoration, yeah. um, a restoration company. He was in there scrubbing floors and cleaning, yeah. cleaning out, you know, flood damage or whatever it may be. Right. Um, you know, in Austin, Austin and I, you know, the one thing that I would preface this, my Austin and my's relationship with is I feel like it didn't get as deep as I would have liked it to because he was so, he was so focused and he was a very quiet individual and he was hard to peel back the layers. Um, and he was all, and he was also so confident. The kid, the dude is so confident in his abilities. He had the X's and O's, he had the the tangible gifts, and he also had the mind to where not that I thought, hey, I don't need to pour into this guy because every everyone deserved and needed to be poured into. But right. he, he was he was where he needed to be. He came into this show, I think, the most prepared out of anybody on the mm. entire show. Um, and you just think about what he goes into about his life. Um, he his brother, um, his wife, he and his wife having fertility issues, which yeah. is a, just an absolute painful uh, scenario. And we have a clip here, uh, Connor, if you can play it, we can show it um, and talk about Austin Hubbard's uh, life. And uh, one, two things that he said that were very interesting about his life right now. On top of that, like after losing my brother, I, I stopped caring about a lot. Of like, even don't get me wrong, I love fighting, but it's it's not as important anymore. Like, because can change so fast. You know what I mean? Like, I recently lost my brother, and that was uh, really hard to deal with. Um, me and my wife were expecting a a baby, and we lost that, and uh, it's just been like a constant. I don't know, crappy storm, I'll say. Life's kicking my butt every corner, it seems like. So uh, to have this opportunity, it's it's huge. Yes, yeah, this is his ashes, actually. You know, so I have them with me everywhere. Oh, everywhere you go. Yeah. That's, wow. That's good. It's so crappy. Yeah, uh, just a crappy storm being thrown at him. Yeah. You know, losing his brother, who... I talked to him, his brother was like, his, I mean, he's his brother, but yeah. they were also extremely close. Losing his brother and in the same year, you know, losing their child, you yeah. know, a miscarriage. Um, and just saying life keeps kicking my butt, you know, mm-hmm. just a crappy storm. And I think, as I said, Austin and I, he was so steadfast and immovable the entire show that I didn't get to peel back the layers that I want to. And now obviously after the show, we text and we're, we're, we're getting closer. But I remember, you know, we talk about a reality show. It's cameras on you all the time. 
microphones on you all the time. But luckily when you're cutting weight, you know, we cut weight in the bath. So mm -hmm. obviously in the bathtub, you can't wear your microphone. Um, and for some reason there was about a 10 minute period where I was, it was just me and him in, a, in his, one of the bathrooms there at the tough house and he was cutting weight in the bath. And he, that was when he really opened up to me about losing his brother for infertility issues or fertility issues with his wife and how he was having such a crappy moment. And he was, you know, he welled up with tears and I was, and I was there to be with him. And it was a really, really cool moment yeah. that was just between he and I, that was not broadcasted on this TV yeah. show that we live in. And it's funny too, cause we're living a TV show and we're there to entertain and we're there to capture the hearts and minds of the masses. Right. But yeah. in that moment, it was just Two dudes. Mono and mono. Mono and mono. Yeah. Flawed individuals. He's going through stuff. I'm going through stuff. We're all going through stuff. And it was just a really That's good. A really cool moment. And I think that was his weight cut and making weight and then going and fighting and, and winning the fight. It was just a it was just a really, really cool, um, cool moment. And then also there was another conversation I had with him where this was his he felt like this was God saying, Hey, you deserve to be here because mm almost all of this bad stuff has happened to you, but it's prepared you for this. It's prepared you for this moment. Yeah. And there's so many times in your life where you can look back and say, man, all these bad things have happened. I have questioned things. I've questioned, maybe you've questioned your faith. You have questioned your God. You have questioned your, your place here on this earth. Mm -hmm. And why does this keep happening to me? But then for him to show up, take this opportunity by the, by the horns and a hundred percent, show up and have a, a joy and a zeal that he had, man, it was just really, really cool. Cause it peeled back the, it peeled back the camera side yeah. of things and turned it into a more human show. Definitely. I like the guy a lot. He's good. He's a very skilled fighter, yeah. you know? So that's why I was excited that he was here. Um, See, coachable still, can you be that confident in what you're doing and still be coachable? Yes. Yeah. So right. that was the thing too, finding that fine line between I know my skills. I know my skill set. And we didn't have a, we don't have a lot of time to actually coach these guys either. You sure. Know, that fight could have been seven days into the show. What can I do to teach this guy who's been fighting? He's 31 years old. He's been fighting now for 10 years. What can I really show him in a seven day period? That's really going to make a huge difference, you know, but he was, that's one thing I will say about team Chandler is we were, we created such a cool camaraderie and maybe there was just a ton of respect for me as the coach, which I really appreciated that. Yeah we kind of created these two or three little lanes that we were going to focus on for everybody. You know, when we go back and watch the fight, one thing that he did really, really well was when he was getting pushed up against the cage, we knew Aaron McKenzie wanted to take him down, get on top of him, uh, put the pressure on him and, and grind out each one of those rounds to get the win. But he kept putting that elbow inside, creating distance. Cause mm -hmm. I, I said, there's only two ways that you really lose these fights unless you get knocked out or you get caught with something. You get pushed up against the cage, you get controlled for five minutes each round, or you get taken down and someone lays on top of you for five minutes and then the that guy wins the round and then win the second round and the fight's over. So we had to we had to establish a good cage defense, good cage offense, which we saw last week with Cody Gibson. Um and uh make sure we are burning, burning the clock more than the opponent is burning the clock. Cause essentially it's just a time. Yeah. It's a time game at that point. Right. Who's in a more dominant position for more of the time. Yeah. That's really all it was. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was really cool. Um, so then aside from the fight, one of my notes here, Conor McGregor, let's talk about Conor McGregor and the action figures. Okay. <laughs> 
Let's talk about Conor McGregor and the action figures. I'll talk about the kid, too. I mean, he just had the best day ever. His name was Samuel Romero. So shout out to Samuel Romero. Hopefully you're watching this. Yeah. Kid out of California. Make me a figurine. I want a figurine. Yeah, you need to go into country music figurines, dude. Uh, Throw some boots on them things. That would be awesome. Right? Um, Yeah, no, that was was cool. And um, it was cool to see... Connor humanized for a minute, interacting with a kid and yeah, the toys. Well, and that's why it's so important too to that people when people actually see the episode. I love that Connor was engaged. He was there. Like you said, that was the best day of Samuel Samuel Romero's life, yes. right? To get to get to meet Connor because in the promo when they said next week on you know the Ultimate Fighter when they said that last week it just it just basically showed a figurine and it showed Connor handing him. Some cash, yeah, yeah, right. So it just looked like, and to be honest with you, I was a little judgy, and I was like, "Oh, okay, there goes Connor throwing around money again. Yeah, you know, there goes Connor go tr- trying to be the rich guy in the room." But to see Connor humanized, to ask questions, to be looking at the figure and say, "Hey, tell me about this." Tell me, genuinely how you do excited, it. genuinely yeah. asking the kid, "Yeah, how do you make these things?" You yeah, know? and he said like. Brock Lesnar's legs, and yeah. then he, what do you say, he painted on? Customized decals to do the tattoos, there and painted go. the shorts. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the kid put time into this. Yeah. So, and yeah, Connor pulled out a wad of cash and gave it to him. <laughs> he he, but he also put a bigger wad back in his pocket. He, he pulled did. out a massive wad and gave the kid a good size wad yeah. and put back a bigger wad in Either way, pocket. there was a lot of wads of cash. A lot know? of wads getting thrown around. So at first, <laughs> at first, you know, I was like, oh, there goes Connor being Connor, but it was, yeah. it was a cool moment. And, and, and to hear Dana before that say, hey, you know, when, whenever he sees his guys, you know, us fighters do that kind of stuff. Ultimately, yeah, it grows the sport because it shows that we are just humans. We're not just a bunch of pugilist animals in the cage. You know, like we're right. kind of kind of normal. Yeah. Most of us, you yeah. know, um, we have hearts. In we here have somewhere. hearts. I know. You know, somewhere <laughs> it uh, it goes out the goes out the window whenever we're in the cage, obviously because we're savages. But yeah, dude, that's I mean, not even to get off subject. That having that separation is wild because you you do you come out you come out of the cage and you have a family and, yeah. and a normal life and friends and stuff. But it's like, what is that? Is that like just a flip that you got to switch when you walk in there? It's like this is I. What is it, dude? Said I'm prepared to die. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you yeah. just walk in there. It's like I'm gonna kill you today. Yeah. I mean, pretty much. I mean, that's yeah. that's the, the game that we know we signed up for. It's the game that we know that we are playing. Um, and for me, it's it's never different. Guys' motivations are different too. There's there are some guys who legitimately have to visualize his opponent spitting on his mom or smacking his wife or doing doing something horrible to someone that they love in order to get them up to be able to fight and hurt somebody. To me, it's never been about hurting anybody. Truthfully, there's been times in my career where I have disliked the guy and I don't fight the way that I want to fight. I don't feel the way I want to feel in the cage. I want to go into the cage with a full heart, uh, full of emotion, full of gratitude, full of happiness and joy as, as, as bass backwards as that sounds. Mm-hmm. I know I'm in the, my best state when I'm in the back warming up and I'm listening to my music and tears are coming into my eyes. Like my eyes are welling up with tears. Cause I'm thinking about my wife. I'm thinking about my kids. I'm thinking about this platform that God has put me on and just being so full of gratefulness and, and joy and peace, even though it's about to, about to step War. into chaos. Yeah. Absolute, absolutely tied onto a tornado and in danger, you know? Yeah. So for me, it's, uh, that's how I'm wired, you know, and then I go in there and then Bruce Buffer yells your name and then you're like, okay, then you go to the middle and I usually like to get hit 
kind of first and then I'm like, okay, now I'm going to fight. And then yeah, yeah, now yeah. I'm like, okay, now I can go. Now yeah, I'm yeah, coming yeah. after you. You know? Did you ever street fight growing up? I didn't. You so didn't. that's, that was one kind of interesting tidbit about me is like, I, I do not like confrontation. I do not like, you know, yeah. fighting makes me freaking weird. <laughs> it makes me feel weird. <laughs> For a fighter, you know, it's kind of a weird look. I like, I like <laughs> sanctioned bouts inside of a cage, but I don't like yeah. street fights, you know? Yeah. Cause I feel like, I, I would prefer to punch myself in the face to fire myself up. <laughs> yeah, right. But, you know, but. Just be like, taste a little bit of your own blood. Yeah, just a little know? bit. But <laughs> I'd probably rather just have a beer and not. There you go. Just chill. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to get into the fight, the actual fight here in a second with the weigh-ins as well. But right now is a good time to take a break to hear a word from our sponsor. Now's a good time to thank our show sponsor, CarShield. We're all about who's the greatest here, and CarShield really goes to the mat for vehicle owners. They're the number one most trusted auto service protection company in America, and they're here to help protect you from surprise car repair costs. Flexible month-to-month -month plans through CarShield can cover up to 5,000 parts of your car after they break down. When you're covered through CarShield, you'll always have someone in your corner at the repair shop. Visit carshield.com and check it out now. Now, back to the show. Okay, welcome back. Thank you to our sponsor, Car Shield, and we are going to get into the fight. Yeah. Aaron McKenzie versus Austin Hubbard. Obviously, Aaron McKenzie of Team McGregor, Austin Hubbard, my my dude in red on Team Chandler. Uh, and as I said, kind of in the very beginning of this, I had scouted Aaron McKenzie, um, had seen his fights in LFA, knew that he was an LFA champion. Um, had a ton of potential, still a very bright future in, in the sport, tough as nails. Um, I round one, McKenzie had a decent amount of cage control. We, we knew right away, Aaron McKenzie, a BJJ guy, more of a ground specialist. And if you look at his highlights, he's very quite devastating on the ground when it comes to ground and pound control, picking guys up, putting them down. But Austin Hubbard would just not be denied. Austin Hubbard's yeah. defense, you know, you saw that first, I think, I think Aaron McKenzie shot within the first minute or so, 30 seconds yep. or so, got his hips in, hit him with the hips. And then McKenzie's like, Oh boy, because, yeah. because that was after Hubbard hit him with a, and I'll tell you right, man, they, his, his nickname is thud. Obviously hub. Yeah. Know, or no. Yeah. Well, Th thud thud yeah. thud is his, is his nickname so like thud hubbard yeah because the dude hit freaking hard yeah that's what i was telling you it's, it's so different being able to hear the punches that yeah. and kicks and shit versus when it's on you know big broadcast yeah and it's and loud I, yeah yeah exactly because <laughs> because there's nobody there in the the ufc apex right or the ultimate fighter you know fight arena where we were at but Austin Hubbard, he always wore elbow pads whenever he was training. Um, I think he had kind of a swollen elbow too going into the show. The dude burst, a little burst of sack, yeah, really? yeah, a little burst of sack, dude, yeah. for real. Um, and obviously, as we'll see here in a second, those elbows he threw, he was not afraid to throw them. He didn't care. Mm -hmm. But the dude, he never threw with a lot of speed. But when it landed, I swear it was some of the hardest punches I've ever felt with a one fifty five er. He's and he was only weighing because you got to remember too for the fans at home and even even you because we've been talking about weight cutting a little bit these guys have to weigh in within two weeks of each other essentially so this was this was the week one fights and he was going to fight again week three so he had to make 155 or 156 um that first weigh-in and then he only had another what is it 12 days essentially 13 days to make the weight again so these guys had to come in if you had to weigh in at 156 you needed to be hovering about 166 max because mm -hmm. if you're sitting in the 70s 80s it's going to be tough for you to make that weight sure so he was lighter he was he was in the 60s he always had kept his weight under control but his thuds that he threw man yeah hard punches yeah um 
So he was throwing those hard punches. McKenzie was trying to take him down. And then he hurt Aaron McKenzie twice. The world will see the highlights, but it's a one, two with uppercut mm. dropped him. McKenzie. It's so funny. No, not funny. I hate to use the word funny, but it's so interesting to see the body, how the body responds. You get hit and your legs kind of go out a little yes. bit. Sometimes they go out completely. You fall completely to the ground. Sometimes in this case, we'll be able to see it in slow motion. He basically just drops like six, eight inches, catches himself and then comes back up. Yeah. Comes back after Austin. Eats a knee right on the jaw, which yeah. you said. I can't believe they didn't put him out. That's right. Because we saw last week, shout out to Cody Gibson, um, that flying knee put Mondo straight to his butt. Um, and then Austin Hubbard's finish. Austin Hubbard finishes round one with that ground and pound. Yeah. Elbows, cuts him open. Bloody. Bloody. Yeah, as well. That's another thing, too, is like the elbows that he was connecting with were so close range, strike right? Just mm-hmm. like a matter of five or six inches, just putting all the body weight into his nuts. Yeah. So the, it's got to hurt so yeah, bad. It, well, it doesn't. And it's, and it's acquired skill. You know, you think, okay, well, if I'm going to hit this, you know, microphone, I want to just wing it as from as far back as I can. But elbows, a lot of times you're really just trying to whip them in there. You know, yeah. you're trying to whip them in there. You're trying to hit with the, the, the uh, point of the elbow. Um, or in this case, you know, he definitely got a cut. He cut open Aaron McKenzie uh, with the first one. But I think the biggest one he landed in round two, I think that was more of a wider surface area. That was more, like I said, Louisville slugger baseball bat. Yeah, when I he was, came over. I was 28, 30 feet away, and it sounded like someone hit a home run. It sounded like that celebrity, yeah. that celebrity <laughs> softball game yeah, we hit yeah, the other yeah. day. You know? Yeah, two for three, four yeah, over the eyes. I'm not worried about it. it. We won, yeah. Shout out to Jelly Roll. Yeah, Shout we out Jelly Roll. Uh, but it's, it sounded like a baseball bat. Um, and yeah, then geez. in round two, uh, Austin hit him with a couple counter left hooks, two, two, uh, two one or two oh one on the cage, good cage defense, which which I was extremely proud of because that was really what we worked on. Because I said, hey, the only way you lose this fight is Aaron McKenzie makes it a a grimy grinder of a fight where he mm-hmm. just pushes you up against the cage and controls you. So, um, let's take a look at the highlights. Um, I think we might have Dana. What Dana said in here as well. So, roll the tape. Um, and I was wrong too. Aaron McKenzie is actually older than Austin Hubbard. He's 34 years old. So even though he's a prospect, he's older than Austin Hubbard. Austin Hubbard has more experience, but Co- uh, Aaron McKenzie right is older. Round one, I think Aaron quickly realized that he needed to try to get this fight to the ground. Hubbard was hitting him with some hard shot. That that three two low kick tries to get the really takedown. Hips in, stuff yep. stuffs it, pulls his leg back. Be taken down in the clinch. And then this right here the the ability to bring your knees back up underneath you almost get taken down come back up then he reverses the position comes out and he was letting some big shots go and Austin was doing a good job of coming in range and then out of range making Aaron miss there's the uppercut drops him six eight inches high kick and then boom a big knee Aaron McKenzie is a absolute stud for and just not giving up right there picking him up and putting him down controlling him breaking his will and then now you see obviously he hits that makes that cut leak um round one ended i thought round one was going to be ended in a tko and aaron mckenzie toughs it out austin capitalized on the damage that he did in round one and just dominated the second round yeah second round he just stayed very basic hits him with some big ones pull back one twos Aaron, Aaron has to, Aaron was having to try to uh, force the takedowns, you know, which when you get put in a position where you're forcing the takedown and it makes it tough. 
Austin Hubbard's defense up against the cage was phenomenal. And then, it is. yeah, just raining elbows. You see the huge welt on Aaron's left eye. I think they didn't show the hardest one because maybe it was uh, not kid-friendly for ESPN because it was absolutely brutal. Tough. It would have been a lot, lot different. What about unanimous decision? Moving on. Austin. Just so proud of him here, too. Um, I think I walked away. This moment's just a hug right there. Happy to start off with the yeah, day, my boy Aaron's face looked awful. Tough, tough dude. Fight. It really, yeah, it really reminds you, man, and it just really reminds you the damage that you can take. Yes, the, the violence that ensues, the the risk that you're taking. Yeah, you know, it's real. It is, and it's in, and they show too. What they do a really good job of doing as well is the the thrill of victory. You know, they they go right. They show me hugging Austin, saying, "I'm so proud of you. You were so, uh, you were so composed in there, and you fought just such a perfect fight because it was a dog fight. It was mm -hmm. still a dog fight. We just saw the highlights, but it was still a dog fight. Aaron McKenzie would not be denied. Yeah, he lost the fight, but he did not give up. He was not wavering. Right. Yeah, he was fighting, fighting hard. Yeah, he was fighting. You know, fighting hard, dogfight. So, so it shows that the the thrill of victory, and then it goes back to the agony of defeat. You know, yeah. with Aaron, you know, his exit interview, just face doubled in size on his left side, yeah. purple all the way around his eyeball. Taking an ambulance ride home. Oh man, actually, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, in the exit interview, you know, he said, "I have no regrets," and then it just shows him leaving in the ambulance crying through that the yeah. little door you know and and i and i don't you know we use the word crying i think it's i think real men cry right yeah, that's i think real men show emotion real men cry real men throw themselves into the fire so much head first into insurmountable odds at times that it's always going to end in tears whenever you fall short. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, and that is what Aaron McKenzie did. That's what mm -hmm. Mondo did last week when he said, Hey, I love this game, but sometimes it just don't love me back. Mm -hmm. You know, Nate Jennerman, the week one, he gets knocked out in nine seconds by uh, Roosevelt Roberts. And he's the producers ask him, Hey, if you could talk to your family, what would you say? Or people back home? Hey, I tried my best. I love you and I'm sorry. You know, mm -hmm. that, that feeling of I'm sorry, those tears coming down, like welling, welling so much emotion up inside of you because you, you tried so Given hard. so much to it. Yeah. yeah. You wanted, you wanted to win so badly. So, um, it's just a crazy sport, man. And the, the highs are so high and the lows are so low. And you know, what was really funny too, is, um, thinking about what it's like if you guys are in an, in a arena somewhere, right? You've probably never left an arena, you know, maybe, maybe you missed a lyric here and there, or maybe you tripped over a chord or maybe, maybe the show didn't go as perfect yeah. as you thought, yeah. but it was still a successful show. Yes. Right. right it was right. still good. People still had a good time. Yeah. Maybe audio went out here. Or, it's not such a definitive win or loss yeah. type of evening. Yeah. And we're probably walking out with all of our teeth and everything. Maybe. Yeah. 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 Unless yeah. you're at a jelly roll concert. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but well, yeah. And also too, you get another opportunity to get right back in the win column. Let's say you, right. you played a show in wherever in Cincinnati one night, it wasn't that great. You didn't feel great about it, but then you go over to Columbus the yeah. next day and it's absolutely phenomenal. You get back right. in the wind column where these guys got away, you know, which we saw in the very beginning, when we were watching the show, Nate Jennerman, uh, still having to train with Aaron McKenzie, Aaron McKenzie still trained or chasing the dream while Nate Jennerman's, you know, dreams got shattered and he has to still show up for his teammate there. Yeah. And he's not going to get the opportunity to fight and get back into the quote unquote win column for, months could yeah. be a year who knows you know yeah the the ability 
to continue to try to stay positive toward the goal without having that positive reinforcement of a win. Yeah. Mental toughness and discipline is crazy yeah. for, for you guys. Yeah, man. So yeah, we, we, I mean, we can compare some elements, but what we do is so pussy compared to what y'all <laughs> do. I mean, cause we do get, we get Thursday, Friday, Saturday to go sing our songs in front of big crowd of people. And, yeah. and, um, but you know, like taking it back to the early days, I mean, I was, I was working at donut den and like, Oh my gosh, you know, right there. Oh yeah. I was working yeah. at donut den and I was making hardly any money at all. And I first signed a pub deal it was like for 25 grand a year, but it was just so I can say I'm a songwriter. Mm. It's like, 25 grand a year ain't doing nothing. It's like, I still need more money than this. Yeah. And it took six, seven years of just writing songs that didn't have any life. Wow. Before one started clicking and, you know, Florida Georgia Line cut one and put it on their record and then it was a single. And then, uh, in 2017, that's when we started really, me and Morgan started really getting after it, writing and stuff. And then, you know, we had some Morgan songs and then more Morgan songs and then other people want to cut songs. It is, a, it's a slow, slow build, but I definitely spent that first eight or nine years grinding because my, my livelihood, my life didn't depend on mm -hmm. it, but my livelihood and, and the, what I wanted to make for myself and how I wanted to support my family. Like I, I bet my life that I could make this music thing work. Yep. And, um, yeah, that's about the only comparison to fighting for that. But but what y'all do, man, I just respect it so much. Yeah. And and getting to know you too, um, you you are as good of a guy as you appear to be. You oh, know, dude, and it's you, it's awesome. You can go out there and be such an animal, and and <laughs> yeah. you are you're you're a bad man. Yeah, you're a bad man, but you're a great man. And I'm oh, I'm happy you, to dude. know you. Thank you, man. No, I I I try to just uh, you know. And maybe, maybe to a fault, you know, I think I could play a character more on, on the microphones or play a character more on the, on TV, but I'm just like, ah, man, it's just not, not mm -hmm. me. You know, yeah, I'm just right. trying to, I just want to be me authentically me. It just feel that feel what feels right. You know? Yes. Um, and yeah, just been grinding for a long, long time. Similar to you, you know, my donut den days were, I never yeah. worked at the donut den, but I, you know. Did you have a shitty job? My first job ever was Blockbuster. But then yes. the cool, but the cool thing is, I was able to get paid via sports after. You know, now you're a headbuster. Yeah, now I'm a headbuster. <laughs> Blockbuster went out of business. Knee up the I'm butt. Like, knee up the butt, dude. We're gonna make T-shirts that say "Knee up the butt." Yeah. I think I said that about 15 times. Yeah, it's great. Which that's a wrestling term. It basically just means yeah, yeah, shift yeah. the weight on his hands so yes. he can't get up. But knee up the butt. Uh, great quote. Great quote. You know, but. Um, you know, so then blockbuster I was able to, guy. Well, blockbuster at first. That was like the only job I had in you know at a brick and mortar. Then I worked some some hard labor and stuff like drug, like drug dealing and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> doing silt fences. Okay, got it, got D it. Digging ditches and silt fences, and then then after that, since I was a decent wrestler, I was able to do wrestling camps. And yeah, got yeah. Paid doing those. That was the only way I ever made money. And then then I started fighting after that. So the come up is uh, it's long. So e anybody out there who's chasing the dream, it's. I love saying this and I say it all the time is that it's not that people don't do the right things. It's that they don't, they don't do the right things for long enough. Mm -hmm. You know, you just got to do it long enough. And if it's in the cards for you, which it probably is most of the time, if, if you really hit your dreams to that shooting star, if you, when you hitched your dream to that shooting star and you said, this is what I'm going to do, this is who I'm going to be. This is how I'm going to make it. Eventually it pays off and you just have yeah. to have the delayed gratification Freaking being in the suck, being in the valley, eating dirt for however long it needs to be. Yeah, you you got to fail a lot before <laughs> before you get the dub. And yeah. the the classic 
you know, our meme or just the image of the guy digging through dirt and giving up right before you can see there's gold right yep. on the other side. Mm-hmm. I think about that all the time. It's like my young guys that are writing and stuff too. It's like, it's going to be a grind. And these are the, these are the days where there's not going to be a lot of gratification right now, mm-hmm. but like get through that. I promise you get through that because showing up and doing it every day is the only path to getting where you're going. You just got to show up every mm-hmm. day. If you show up like to like, we'll show up and we don't have anything scheduled on the book today. We'll show up and I'll bet we write a couple songs today just because we showed up and ran into each other and that'll get us down the road. 90% of it is just showing up. That's it. You know, and that's the, consistently yeah. diligent, brilliant with the basics and the basics are just showing up most of the time. Mm-hmm. You know? So yeah. And that's where, man, these guys are. Um, and it's, it was such an honor to, to coach Austin throughout the show, coaching him to another win. Team Chandler is now three and zero as we speak. The boys in red are getting after it. My yep. veterans, the dudes who were written off, the dudes who got their walking painters, the papers, the dudes who heard you are not good enough. Try again next time. They're getting their second shot now, and now three of our guys are moving on to the next round. Incredible, and I couldn't be more proud of them. And that was, I think that's a great way to end the show. Talking about anybody who is out there watching. The physical manifestation of these guys fighting inside of a cage, the guys who getting who are getting their second shot because they didn't quit, and the guys who are still on the come up as the prospects. If you go, if you try hard enough for long enough, you will definitely fail, but failure is not final. You can continue to move forward and become the man or woman that you were fashioned to be, similar Amen. to yourself, similar to myself. So, yeah. man, thank you so much for coming on here thanks for having uh, me it's of course fun. of course man yeah and we'll uh we'll definitely be tuning into the rest of the uh the show on sure. espn every tuesday night 10 o'clock eastern time nine o'clock central seven o'clock pacific on espn and then the the next day it'll be available on espn plus um thank you guys so much for tuning in thank you so much to our special guest Ernest. thanks and for having me thank you of course man yeah. thank you so much and as always god bless we'll see you at the top peace